Hi, I'm Richard Niles, and I'm happy to introduce my new album, Adventures for Cello and Piano. Now, this really is a new departure for me. After a long career working with pop and jazz, I've also done arrangements for some classical stars. But I guess like all musicians, I've had a bunch of compositions of a more adventurous nature building up over the years, and I finally decided to record them. What you'll hear is a fusion of all my interests, from jazz to pop to funk to more sophisticated composition. I wrote it as duets for cello and piano because I like cello and piano. And to help me record this, I needed some extraordinarily gifted and brave musicians. Dennis Carmazan has been the principal cellist for the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra for over 30 years and has performed on more than 4,000 feature films. I've worked for about 30 years with pianist Clive Dunstall, first call London studio player, who's played with people like Sting, Lalo Schifrin, and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. But I didn't stop there. For two of the pieces, Only the Beginning and my arrangement of Claire de Lune, I just had to have a rhythm section. Now, I've known Mark Egan since he was the bassist for the original Pat Metheny group, and he's gone on to such great work with people like the Gil Evans Orchestra, Dave Sanborn, and Arcadia. I've done my last four albums now with drummer Ian Palmer, and he's just wonderful. He's worked with the cream of jazz, including Martin Taylor and Randy Brecker. Well, I was lucky enough to interview all of these guys this week by Zoom, and we talked about why they took this crazy adventure with me. Adventures for Cello and Piano was kind of a, a new departure for you, wasn't it, Dennis? Well, uh, I don't think I've ever uh, had the uh, privilege to, uh, to be involved in such a dynamic, uh, challenging project. I'd like to tell people a little bit about how it all came about. I'd been writing this music for about a year, and uh -huh. then our mutual friend Bruce Dukoff uh, introduced us and I, I sent some of the music to him and I said, who do you think could actually play this? And he said, well, hardly anyone, but you might as well try Dennis Carmazan. He's got a good sense of humor. So <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how it actually came about. Both Bruce and I were at uh, Sony recording uh, on a motion picture and uh, we had finished a project. I was walking back to the parking lot uh, with Bruce and he said, by the way, uh, you know, I have a great friend of mine, uh, I used to be his concertmaster in England, Richard Niles. He's written this, which I think is a very difficult, challenging uh, piece of music. Would you be interested? I said, hey, send me the music. Let me let me see what it's like. So uh, Bruce did send it to me, and I realized, wow, this is going to take a, a lot of woodshedding to even begin to uh, understand and, and uh, proper, properly digest uh, exactly what what has to happen here, both musically and technically. A couple of days later, and I realized, you know, this is doable. It'll take a, a lot of practicing on my part, but uh, it seems really interesting and challenging for me. I didn't know how uh, involved the project would be. I didn't realize it would be uh, nine songs. And <laughs> it, at first, uh, Richard sent me one, and then actually the first three songs. And uh, th they were probably some of the most technical of all of the uh, nine songs. He gave me the meat and potatoes immediately. Right. So, so uh, yeah, I thought this is going to be great for me. And uh, I had a, uh, it was, I was busy uh, doing recording and concerts and stuff, but I thought in my free time, this would be an interesting project for me to uh, have fun with.
I loved what you said when we first talked about it, that it would give you something different to practice than Bach and Beethoven. Yes, and uh, right. Uh, so I basically practiced, you know, my, the Bach cello suites uh, one through six and concertos and sonatas and various etudes to keep my technique fluid and and uh, and whatever challenging uh, uh, situation should arise. Uh, I want to make sure I'm always at 100 percent. So this uh, music uh, that Richard wrote was very, very demanding. And I realized it would really up my game uh, to to attack this in a very technical and musical way and make sense of it, make it sound effortless and, and, and musical at the same time. You obviously come from a background of having played so much music and doing film music. I guess it must have exposed you to so many different styles of music. So in a way, this was uh, in the same direction of, of taking on another challenge because a studio musician has to take on that challenge every day. Well, yeah, when you uh, go to work as a studio musician, first of all, you have no idea what's going to be put in front of you. What I found interesting as a composer was that uh, you, you showed me how, um, you know, different phrases mm -hmm. are, are very impacted by the uh, the positions that you play it in on the cello because you know maybe people don't understand just how difficult the cello is uh, yes. and and so the types of phrases that perhaps i would write in jazz and blues styles are not the typical kind of phrases that one would be exposed to in various classical styles yeah well like for instance uh on a saxophone where you know, you don't have four strings and you have uh, a reed and and, uh, and you can go up and down the scale without having to traverse all four strings, which I have to do on the cello. So I remember having uh, conversations with you about the musical uh, interpretation of how to uh, properly uh, demonstrate the uh, the exactness of what you wanted. Yes. And, and there, were, there were times when I had to say, Richard, I totally understand what you're saying but I just have to tell you that technically for me to do the, the kinds of phrases you were asking for made it more difficult for me to kind of uh, play in a very fluid way. But I said, I, I have to I like change my bow or do certain uh, uh, technical uh, accomplishments to, to uh, make the music uh, appear as fluid and musical as you'd like. I understand what you'd like, but I don't think I could do it that way. I could do it this way. Yeah. And I think you'll be happy with that. Well, you certainly did, and the results were fantastic and breathtaking. And uh, I also wanted to ask you about, you know, you, you probably don't play with rhythm sections every day of the week, although I, I suppose you do on film scores sometimes have a rhythm section, but this was more like what I was trying to create was a small group feel of a quartet, you know, cello, piano, bass, and drums. Uh, yeah. how, how did you, how did you uh, enjoy the experience of doing that? Well, I thought it was very enjoyable. Uh, it's not the typical kind of session stuff I would do. Yeah, and... you did it beautifully. And I, and I must say that, uh, for instance, uh, Only the Beginning, which has a kind of a pop jazz uh, uh -huh. to it, you just, you just sound, uh, what I was trying to create with the writing was the idea that you were improvising 
just yeah. like just like a jazz player would and you made it sound so beautiful the transition from from playing the the tune you know the actual yeah. a section to actually uh -huh. going into the solo and everybody who's who's heard it has said man i didn't know a cello could could actually groove in that way to improvise on the on the cello we and so i'm glad that that effect had, was was uh, beautifully executed by by you i had to just throw caution to the wind and go for it yeah, each time yeah. and i love the results i mean i you know playing these songs in my car all the time and just can't wait uh, when I was, you know, driving to work and stuff, when, when the, this, this album will actually be released, and when I can share with my friends, because uh, I haven't been able to do that. Yes, and, well, well, soon. Yeah, a lot of people are very uh, excited about hearing it. Well, so am I. Being asked to perform a duet is one thing, but also mm -hmm. being asked to perform a duet with somebody you've never played with before, uh, Clive Dunstall. Yeah, well, we didn't even rehearse. We basically sat down and started playing. Look, I remember in years past uh, when I was playing principal cello for Maurice Jarre, he had me play uh, uh, the minuet from the box six suite, which is a very challenging thing. And he just mm. put the music in front of me. Obviously, I would I practice these suites all the time, and I could play it. But with with what Richard wrote, and uh, uh, it's not the kind of thing where I'm practicing all the time. And I, oh, I know sure, it. Sure, sure. Had to live with it. I lived with it for a couple months every day and practicing nine songs a day. It, it takes hours to just, you know, you have to play it note by note, make sure the intonation is right. The yeah. shift, the, the uh, rhythm, uh, the articulation also was a, a challenge too. to articulate in a jazz kind of way doing this project. It, it was, it was so great. I, I kind of missed the practicing of the pieces all the time. So I'm back <laughs> to my usual fare. But every so often, I kind of uh, revisit the songs and, 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 and play them just to make sure they're in my fingers in case one day we should uh, have the opportunity to perform them live. Well, I, w I was so lucky to find a masochist like yourself. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Clive was great. I mean, he had a great musical feel and uh, timing and uh, his personality was just uh, very enjoyable. And it was a great uh, couple of days. I mean, my son, also Max. Yes, I wanted to ask you about him because he he did such a fantastic job of recording. But tell us a little more about Max because he's not just a pretty face engineer. <laughs> <laughs> he is a virtuoso violinist and a composer and an engineer. Yeah, he, he was tremendous, and and uh, everyone has commented on the the beautiful sound quality. Um, I, let me ask you this last question: How do you feel about actually performing this in a concert? I think it would be uh, an amazing experience, and I've been upping my technique to to uh, to be up for the challenge. Well, that's uh, amazing, Dennis, and I I cannot wait for that to happen. Um, and I'm really looking forward to you uh, shaking my hand on that first gig. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm super happy to be here with Clive Dunstall. Um, he is a big legend in my lunchtime. And uh, I've, I've been lucky to work with him for all these years. And the audience out there probably think you're kind of a new name for them. So tell a little bit about the background that allowed you to play this quite difficult music uh, at the drop of a hat. I was in the Royal Marines band and I, and I can't really 
go any further than that to I wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing now if it wasn't for that really because uh from where I was when I first um joined up I, I learned so much I, I re pretty much restarted the piano from grade seven went back to grade three started again got all my techniques sorted out by a brilliant um professor called Dave Jones and then just the the whole of the the eight and a half years I did I just did so many different styles in so many different things from anything from um uh, jazz trio to marching up and down in maybe I mean in America for instance I did a, a gig in Shea Stadium in in New York um, so marching up and down there uh, from doing concerts to doing orchestras to do you know anything you you name it we pretty much had a go at it at some point when I left then when I went to National Jazz Orchestra that got my reading up another level and also more into jazz playing and, and all that stuff. One of the things that I've always loved is that when you play a style you don't play a pastiche of the style, you play the style, which is which is very rare because a lot of people play a kind of a, a comedy version of the style. It's very easy to sort of say, well, I want to play it this way because this is the way I like to do something. But yeah. if that's what what the, the writer or the uh, conductor or whoever uh, yeah. wants, you, know, you, you might not know the whole, the whole story of what you're trying to put together or what the producer or whatever is trying to put together. So so you need to sort of trust that he knows what he's doing or she knows what he, she's doing. Something that nobody can really teach and nobody talks about because they can't teach it, which means they can't make money from it, is taste. And mm. that's the great thing from being exposed to all these different types of music you have great taste. And so, you know, if we're on a session and you suggest, well, I think I'll do it this way, of course, it's, thank you, it's better. And then we have to talk about yep. why you would be foolhardy enough to, to take on this thing, because you really nailed it very quickly. I mean, from the time I asked you to do it, it was, you didn't have very much preparation time. No, I spent about sort of three to four weeks, I think, from sending the music um in between when I was doing other work as well so yeah uh, so the last two weeks I was working on it uh, you know every every spare moment really but um I, I think I wanted to do it because it was I'm, I've had an interesting year anyway with a couple of different tours with different different artists but um this was a new a project you know I mean I've obviously worked with you loads of times and sure, sure. and I love what you write so so it was a real challenge i knew it, i know i know it was going to be it was going to be brutal whatever <laughs> working because i never i never walk out of the studio with you not broken so so um so but i knew but i just thought no this is this in be, a nice way in a nice way <laughs> no in a great way but, this is an album of duets now i definitely did not write these as cello with piano accompaniment. As you saw, the piano is an equal voice with a, a great deal to do in, in terms of telling the story of the piece. That was a challenge. I mean, I mean, we had, what, three and a half days to sort of get it all down. And I think we had to establish a, a way of doing that in that, yes. in that yes. time. It's adapting and listening and, and trying to learn how they work at the same time. I think it's true to say that although they have my particular um, trademark areas of humor, uh, I'd call them, <laughs> but, mm. but uh, they also flutter around different genres a lot. Yes. And yeah. um, some of them are, were, were kind of uh, not 
I don't know whether you could even qualify what genre it was, uh, because I was thinking about different stuff. And what was so great was the way that you took on a piece like, for instance, Dreamer Awake, which is probably maybe one of the most difficult ones. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. And I don't even know what style you'd call that. Well, I, I actually thought some of it was quite funky. Actually, I thought of that of that particular piece. It was, and it was definite patterns. Uh, I wouldn't say they're easy, but there, there was there there were some definite patterns in there, and yeah. uh, you know they were they were finger breakers. Some of them, but uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yes, they were classical pieces. But they were with jazz harmonies and jazz chords and jazz even rhythms and and all that stuff. They're all yes. they're all all thrown in the pot. You know, it was a. Yeah. Um, for instance, the, the Claire de Lune, I, I sort of think was a bit like sort of Debussy meets Pat Metheny on acid. You know, it was it was yes. one of the you know fusion of stuff. Fusion is the word I was looking for. Yes. Um, but that was what that was what I made was exciting for me because it wasn't it wasn't a, just a straight classical piece or it wasn't a jazz piece. It was a mixture of the two, but it's also got got a journey. Each piece was going somewhere. What was great was the fact that you were able to identify each each uh, step along the the path. And say, oh yeah, I know what that is. Right, I see what that is. Oh yeah, that's one of the. That's a funk thing. Uh, oh yeah, that that's that's a kind of a Chick Corea thing. Yeah, that's right. And, and and things like the phrasing. There were certain things that you could play that you you know you when you're first going through it, you think yeah, and then and then when you get it, you realise certain arm weights and certain phrasing that you'd written i mean you, all, all your stuff was was phrased brilliantly but um but there were certain things you think well a bit a bit more weight on that bit helps the groove and you know all yeah. that sort of there are a couple of pieces which you know take off the thumb screws for a bit <laughs> and, and are and are very ballad like pieces yeah. and you played them so beautifully and sensitively and and smoothly uh um, I could I could almost hear your fingers saying, "Ah, oh, this is a blessed relief." <laughs> <laughs> well, this is quite funny because um, uh, Chrome Waterfall. I remember record when I was going through that. I was I think I might put something on Facebook when I was recording, it, and I recorded it, and and uh, and thought, "Yeah, I'm coming on with that." So I'll, I'll record a little bit and put it out there, and I put it up there, and it's as you know, it's um, it's in seven four, and I played it to my son when we were outside, and I played it to my son. And I said, "Look, this is in seven four. Can you count that?" And as as he, as he was counting, I was counting, it, thinking, "No, that's not seven four at all. That's not that's not." And I just posted it. And so the, I looked on there, and instantly someone would go, "No, that's fifteen eight. And and, they, <laughs> and uh, it's like, "Yeah, that's because I've missed a quaver off. I better get back to the drawing board." Another, <laughs> I, I did a, I did another another version of it and put that up and said, "Look, you know, there, there you go." But ironically. It, the people who were liking it were the drummers, and they hadn't noticed it was in seven four. It was, uh, uh, I think, Jason Rubello noticed it was one of right, them. Right, right. Two, two people, an ex-marine friend of mine, noticed it as well. But yes, it was. I, I had it in fifteen eight to start with, so I'm glad I sorted it out before I got to you. <laughs> yeah, well, you gave me back that extra quaver, which to you Americans is <laughs> an eighth note. There is one track which I actually gave you a solo on and it sounds fantastic and it's just so great and what a lot of people have commented and I think a lot of this is very very down to you is the fact that you don't notice the difference between the composed piece and the tune in other words everyone has said oh well there are a lot of great solos on this you know the guy's really great improvisers you know and and they don't realize that actually all of it was written except for this one 
uh, yep. piece, Dolphins on Holiday. Right, and, yeah. And yet when you went into your solo on Dolphins on Holiday, it didn't sound like, you know, A and B. It just sounded mm. like this is all one piece and, and, it's, yeah. and yeah. it's happening. But that's what it's, well, that's what it's got to be, isn't it? Is it? It's either one or the other, and you shouldn't notice the join, really. So yeah, yeah. Well, no no one did notice the join, which is great. Okay. Now, here's another thing. I've been talking to Dennis and to Ian and to Mark about the idea of taking this thing on the road, and the idea is that we would do an opening part one of the concert, yep. you and Dennis. Yeah. Then part two of the concert I, I would actually write some more charts yeah so so you've got a more balanced and, and and have stuff with with rhythm section and I would actually join you yeah amazing yeah that'd be that'll be I'll, I'll get back to practicing again <laughs> <laughs> we'll all have to do that <laughs> just for a couple of years you know, the great thing is we have done a bunch of stuff together over the years I think the first thing we worked on of course was American Garage uh yes with mr matheny and then we did a bunch of my solo records together and that was fun too I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of it well thank you big boy you've been able to apply yourself to so many different styles of music projects and still completely be mark egan this beautiful melodic voice because you're a composer you kind of play you understand the composition pretty intimately. I, I dive in and try to figure out how I can interweave my sensibilities into the music at hand. And, you know, it's such a pleasure uh, to do that with your music. It's been great to do it with your music and um, also this new project that we did. It's a little bit different for, for both of us in that I got this crazy idea to write a bunch of pieces for cello. And uh, and then I thought, as I was writing them, I thought, you know what would be really hip would be to add bass and drums and, and make it a rhythm section. Because one of the things I was trying to do with the pieces was not, not only be kind of on the line between, but just cross the line between jazz improvisation and written uh, music with a classical sensibility. And, uh, and then I thought, well, let's go all the way. Let's actually have a rhythm section. And then I thought, well, what, what's the most popular classical piece? And I thought, Claire de Lune. Okay, let's see what I can do to have some fun with this. Well, you know, I approach it like I approach anything where I just, first of all, listen to what's at hand. I listened several times to try to see how I would fit into the into that. And I know that a lot of it was were lines that were going to be doubled. So I paid attention to those and I actually practiced uh, a lot of the parts that were going to be doubled that should have been played as written. And then I make note of the parts that were a little bit looser that you had told me that you have a little liberty as. The combination of that and uh, as is with all your music, it's very challenging from a reading point of view and uh, harmonically it's very sophisticated and your orchestrations are just amazing to me. So. I wanted to fit into that. So I, I I practiced. I took some time. I played along with the music that you sent. When it got to a point where I felt like I felt good about it, then I did it. And to play along with Ian was just fabulous. I wanted to play with his drums first. So I'm glad that yes. you recorded it for me. I recorded it at uh, this studio right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in Florida right now in uh, 
South Florida. Nice. So it was a great project to work on. Obviously, the caliber of musicians is of the highest level. So I wanted to raise rise to that occasion. And uh, thank you for orchestrating it in such a way that it, I could fit into that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was very much while I was writing the two pieces with rhythm section, thinking of your sound, because I just find that you have the most melodic, beautiful sound. Uh, and you've always had that even even when you started out, you've always had this gorgeous sound, and it just begs to have lead melodies written on it. So I, I did include a lot, even though we're featuring the cello and the piano, where I, I put as many little uh, fills and, and, and counter lines and things as I could, hoping that it would uh, be under your fingers. <laughs> yes, you did. And I, I, I sensed that when there was a melody that certain, you know, in certain places that you wanted it to feature me. And I appreciate that, that you would think of me in that way, you know, because um, it is. I do play melodically, and I. Um, it's something I think it carried over from originally being a trumpet player and focusing so much on melody and yes. how you have to articulate and express a melody. And it's like speaking, you know. You you yeah. you just. Uh, it's like singing, really. So even if I'm just playing in a groove bass line, even I, it's the same thing for me. It's all the same energy that goes into it, but especially when it's featured out front and in a uh, very highly melodic way up in the upper register. And, yes. and that's why fretless bass, because it's such an, it's like a cello in a lot of ways. It's like an electric cello. It fits similarly into that range, but then of course it has a bass range, which is the foundation. Yeah. And I found, and I found it uh, a little bit of a challenge to always think about when I gave you a solo line that it wouldn't get in the way of the cello or in, in any way be in the same register because obviously it could be but i made sure that you know he wasn't playing while you were playing that lick in other words you know, there was there were a lot of answering phrases to, between him and you and you know it's, it's interesting that clive dunstall um a marvelous marvelous player it's amazing to think that he was always my first call for orchestral work but he also does tons of jazz work because he's such a great player in that style as well so uh, yes, there's only uh, having listened to the album there's only one improvised solo from clive which is on a tune called uh, dolphins on holiday and the rest mm -hmm. of it is all written and uh, and and it doesn't sound like it and of course that's the magic of a great player and also the magic of a great composer and orchestrator too you're a very Big nice time. man <laughs> well, no, but think about it. You know, someone could write something that was just so corny that, yes, you could play it, but you'd say, "Wow, why did he play that?" You know what? You know, but uh, no, the, the level of musicianship on this music is so high, and I was so honored to be asked to be a part of it. Really, I was talking to Dennis uh, about the possibility of actually doing some gigs with this thing, and when I do, I'm going to open up the program and do some more uh charts for rhythm section so uh, i hope you're up for that <laughs> i'm up for it definitely yeah and i'd play with the with the band <laughs> yeah get back get the band back together for the first time <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's always playing great playing with ian you know i love his playing we've of course on your record the last record we did which uh niles smiles niles smiles and he does too Yes, he does. Richard, thank you so much. And this is uh, this has been a few records now that we've we've made together. So 
Um, I'm sort of getting used used to um, playing with you now after sort of four four records I think we've, we've made together. So it's a privilege. But thank you for asking me. I'm, I'm really grateful. I'm wondering if you could <laughs> tell people a little bit about the background that led up to you being able to, to do what you do. I think firstly, I find it very easy to play music with you because I think we come from the same sort of influences and we have the same sort of ideas. And, um, and I really relate to the music that you write. And, um, and I think now that I have an understanding of what you're looking for with the music as well. And what I'll say with the drum parts that you write, there's, um, there's three types of parts. There's an orchestration, which shows you basically about what the other musicians are playing. There's, there's a studio sort of outline of the music, which gives you the geography. But you do something else. You write almost transcriptions. And the great thing is, I understand by those transcriptions, once I've had a chance to look at it and think about it and, and let it percolate through, I know what you're asking. And I think we have a chemistry, which is fantastic. I am an absolute drum groupie. I mean, I love the drums. And from the from the very beginning of my career, what fascinated me was how drummers do what they do to create a groove. I mean, there's all this fantastic technical stuff in it. But what fascinated me is that how they can get their heads around creating a pattern that creates this certain type of groove. And this type of groove is different from that one. And just a different placement of the hi-hat or a different placement of, of where the, the, the floor tom is going to be in the pattern it changes the whole feel of it. And so I, I did a lot of transcriptions of, you know, our mutual hero, Steve Gadd, and many other people. One of the things I appreciate about the way you write the music is that you write the drum parts with the music in mind. And, um, and I get your, your love of drums, which, which is fantastic, which is brilliant for me. Um, but the drums are really the skeleton of the music. I mean, I love drummers who use dynamics, and you really use dynamics. Since we're playing with a cello, you know, a very unusual acoustical instrument, and of course the, the acoustic piano. Um, mm. I, I, I'd like you to talk a little bit about how you approached these two tunes, because they're very different from each other. I mean, firstly, you had arranged the music beautifully. You'd composed the one piece beautifully and arranged the second one absolutely beautifully. Dennis is a genius. Clive Dunstall is a genius. Mark Egan is a genius. So it doesn't make it that difficult to play along with those guys and create something that sounds I don't that sounds like you want to hear it and that sounds right for the music because yeah. they know how to leave the space for me to play. And, and Peter Erskine, another one of our great heroes great hero. someone that we've um, we've interacted with peter has a lovely expression and peter's expression was that i shake music by the hand i listen i say how are you and i listen for the response and the music guides you in the right in the right form and it tells you exactly what to play and that's what happened in this case i think you know, I can see the I can see the drum part, and we said earlier on that you write pretty much transcription, so it's pretty descriptive as to what you want the drums to be. 
but there is latitude in there for me yes. to be able to play the drums and express myself in the way that I want to express myself. So really, um, the, the recording process of this was that you provided me with some MIDI tracks of what the whole thing eventually will end up sounding like. And I played, the, I overdubbed the drums to that. So firstly, and there were no timing issues. So everything was bang on the money. So it was very easy then to lock in with this. So then it's just about creating that live feel, moving about and really shaking the music by the hand, saying, how are you listening and coming back and playing as Peter Ruskin says and coming back and playing something, which I hope is not a computer generated drum track, no, but it's real life music. You um, rewrite bits of what I've written to make them better, which is a great thing. And every musician who I work with knows that I, want them to do that i'm not i'm not writing for an instrument i'm writing for a musician you know so yeah, yeah. Uh, so so therefore yeah that that's exactly descriptive of, of what's uh what you've done the, other, the way that you played claire de lune just completely knocks me out because i thought when i wrote it i thought well you know it's got to be funky it's got to be groovy but it's not I don't want it to be shoved down people's throats that it's funky. I just want it to be a natural result of of the different sort of patterns and funky grooves that I've thrown into it. And man, you did that so beautifully. Uh, the, it just doesn't sound forced at all. It just sounds, this is the thing, man. This is the music. I always say to other people and I say to my students that taste is something that you can develop, but you can't learn it. It's about playing the music the way it's presented yes, and yes. playing the music appropriately. Eventually, you're going to work out what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with the music that you write, so how does that relate to what we're doing? Well, you know, I've studied a lot of that and you kind of get an understanding of what works and try and make it my own and try and make it something, something that works within your music and it's not necessarily my sound but it's something which works for the music it's almost like a method actor where if i'm playing the part for a piece of music that you presented a bit like an actor then i am actually wearing those clothes so then i'll make the drum tuning and make everything fit the part that you want to hear mm -hmm. 